All right, let's go for it. Couple quick logistics. If you haven't claimed your day seven or day 15 badge, go ahead and do that. Uh, you just got to drop your link to whichever atomic essay lets you hit that number and you'll get your badge applied. Uh, first batch of captain's tables invites were sent. If you know what that means, then you know. And then celebration call Sunday, 1230 Eastern. Uh, I think it's actually 11 a.m. Eastern. Um, I'm 99% sure it's 11 a.m. Eastern. So that's uh, a typo on the slide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 11 a.m. Eastern. That's a typo on the slide. Um, that is our favorite call. It's so cool. We're going to do a crash course recap of everything we covered and share some stories in the last 30 days, some big wins, some big celebrations. So block some time if you can uh, to make that one. And that's what we got on the logistics side. Awesome. Couple shout outs. We got some really great ones to share here. So one, Ruben's been writing atomic essays for months now, just across 200 essays in seven months. Incredible. There's a handful of people who have been at it for six plus months, hundreds and hundreds of essays at this point. Um, really, really exciting. So congrats, Ruben, if you're here. So cool, right? This, it's just out of nowhere. Yeah, this is yeah, cool too. This is a classic. I think Dickie, you talked about this last week where, you know, if you went to anyone and said, hey, you can have a guest blog post on Tim Ferriss's website or on James Clear's website you know, everyone would jump at the opportunity and go, oh, that's so incredibly cool, right? Well, on Twitter, that can literally happen every single day to pretty much anyone. And it all has to do with the quality of what you write. So here, Andrew goes, Tim Ferriss retweeted me, right? That doesn't happen with a blog or a website, period. It doesn't happen, but it happens all the time in social environments. So a huge reason why we encourage writing in these social environments is because these sorts of outcomes are very common. They're way more common than people realize. So huge congrats, Andrew. Really, really cool. This, Laura has been absolutely crushing it. Laura, if you're here. Um, I don't think Laura's here because it's a uh, very early APAC time. Oh, that's right. That's right. I mean, I mean, I even love it the post where she's like, I thought tweets like how I did X and Y with whatever were all bullshit. It, it all seems that way until you do it. And then the moment you experience even a fraction of it yourself, you go, oh, I understand the power of the internet. So for those who don't know, Laura essentially spun out and has been creating kind of a sub cohort for people who want to learn how to visualize ideas. Um, we think it's super cool. Uh, this is just a terrific case study of, you know, not just people building daily writing habit in Ship 30, not just writing content, but also going on to launch products as well. It's just a great example of Laura showed up from day one with a ton of energy, jumped in a circle. I still remember her very first post. She's taken live notes of every session, slide, followed up after, been super engaged. And then you see rewards like this. It all, you know, it's it's obvious in hindsight, but she's just put in tremendous work over the last 25 days. Yeah, incredible to see. So it's all right here for you. We these are give you everything you need. These outcomes happen every single cohort, every single time. And then this, this made me so happy to see. So after our last live session on threads, Kevin went, took one of the templates from TypeShare, plugged in his own content, and had a massively viral outcome. And I just want to show the side by side here. I mean, literally exactly what we talked about took a template inside TypeShare, plugged in his own content, and ended up 
going crazy viral. Okay. The thing, Dickie and I were just talking about this before we hopped on. The thing about something like this is now Kevin's trajectory is completely different. He can pin this viral tweet to the top of his Twitter. It's an instant credibility marker. Uh, Kevin, you're here. Amazing. 200 to 2000 followers, like instantly. Oh, okay. Right. This doesn't happen every time, but we're pointing this out because the likelihood of success is higher. Just period. Full stop. It's higher. Okay. So there's a reason we share what we share. There's a reason why we point out these frameworks. There's a reason why we give you templates inside TypeShare. There's a reason why we're going to keep creating more and more templates because when you find things that work, it's not like it would have the wrong thing to do is if Kevin would have literally just taken my exact thread and gone, I'm going to do the exact same thing with the exact same content. That's not what he did. He took the format and plugged in his own content, his own idea. Okay. And there's a difference. One is plagiarism. One is creative out of the box thinking, right? So congrats, Kevin. This was absolutely incredible to see. Really, really cool. And I, th I think it's worth just double clicking on two things that you could take away here. One is Kevin turned this around in, so 1049, I think what our live session ended at 1030. 1030. So in, in 20 minutes, he had it spun up and just moved quickly. And then just reinforcing this idea of seeing frameworks that work and jumping immediately, like doing every time I see something going viral now, I celebrate a little bit because I know I'm going to be able to take that framework, apply it to my own niche and it's going to work. Like the things that yep. work don't change. When the thing, when you start to see and you start to interact with content in this way, it, it just changes everything because you wake up and you're like, I hope I see something going super viral because all it means is I'm going to do the same thing later. The, to your point, Dickie, I've, I have, I've never done this, but if anyone wants to give it a test, Google Nicholas Cole 99%. And I bet you, you will find pages and pages of articles I've written with the 99% idea framework in headlines. I've used it hundreds of times. 99% of people think this. 99% of the time, right? There's the moment I found out that worked, I did it over and over and over again. So when you find these things, don't just do them once, do them hundreds of times. So real quick, just out of curiosity, did anyone do this after our last live session? Did anyone try out any of the Twitter thread templates? Uh, did anyone have a similar sort of outcome? Um, curious if anyone went and kind of ran with it after our Twitter thread session. I had a few people, I saw a few of them, but I think most people are still kind of experimenting. I know Annie had one, uh, similar, but yeah, these are, these frameworks are going to keep working and they're, they're not going anywhere. So don't worry. Play with the templates and type share. They're there for a reason. Okay. Dick, you want to kick it off? Yeah. Okay. Today is kind of the, the cherry on top of the last 30 days, the way to think about it. I, I couldn't think of a nautical reference, but I think it'd be like land ho, right? We, we see the last 25 days, right? We're coming up to the end. And over the last 30 days, you should reflect on all the things you've done. So you've built a daily writing habit, your social blog's up and running. You have a foundation for months, if not years of content, whether you realize that or not, uh, just writing this much 
once you kind of learn the repurpose and the way to use ideas uh, time and time again. But now it's all about taking stock of where you are and naming and claiming whatever it is you're doing right now as your new bio. So by the end of this session, our goal is to take your bio and make it reflect exactly what it is you're writing about and what you're doing today. Yeah. The bio, what a lot of people don't realize is the bio is a mini sales pitch. And it takes, this is another sort of zero to one thinking moment because a lot of people think the, their bio is about them, right? And so when, you're, when your origin point is, my bio is about me, when you think about writing your bio, this is where a lot of people try and get clever because they're like, oh, the bio is about me. So I want to show my personality and I want to show my interests and I want to show how I'm, you know, I've got all these other hobbies and things that I'm interested in, right? And so when you read people's like V1, version one bio, it's like interested in technology and reading, love Netflix. My cat's name is Bob. You can catch me eating, you know, sushi and fries on a Friday night right? That's my bio, right? Because pe what people are trying to do is they're, they're trying to cram all the things that make them them into this little bio, right? And what you don't realize, it takes a, a while to flip the thinking and realize that it's not really about you. It's about what you're going to do for your readers. That's what makes it a mini sales pitch. Yeah, the no one cares what you do, they care what you can do for them. It's kind of one of my life philosophies and it nothing it shows up so perfectly in your bio, right? Once you realize that you're you're trying to convince someone that what you're doing is worth their time and attention and that's just a subtle reframe. So drop in the chat your current bio. Uh, cuz the goal of this is going to be to we're going to point out some easy upgrades you can make. We're also going to look at doing some live rewrites and our goal is for everyone here to rewrite their bio by the end. Yeah. So I like to just read these because we're immediately going to see, and don't worry if your bio is not perfect. Yeah. If, don't feel bad about it. If you do it. have, you know, I have a cat and <laughs> Name whatever, uh, don't worry because it's, it's a simple fix. So I'm going to read some of these. Dun, dun, dun. I break down Web3 into layman terms. Awesome. Dad and tech guy that lives, writes about homeschooling technology. I write about B2B marketing and sales, business and SaaS startup life. Also a bit obsessed with Muay Thai. Awesome. All, all cats, welcome. Um, I build teams, building Jetpack, follow for XYZ. Cool. CEO at Include. Nice. Okay. All right, so we got a so, lot to work with here. This is all of, I mean, you all should know at this point, all, all our live sessions, there's a good amount of tough love in there, right? The bio session is probably the most tough love, okay? Because again, it, it's not coming from a place of judgment or criticism. It's just, there are certain things that you do in when you're writing a bio that are ineffective, they are not achieving the goal you think they are achieving, right? It was like, it's like the same thing with clever headlines. Writers think by being clever, they're being mysterious. And the writer's going to go, oh, this is so mysterious. I have to give it my attention, right? That's not actually what's happening, 
Okay. So it's the same thing with a bio. You think that you're, you're presenting all this personality. Really, you're just confusing the reader. Okay. So our goal here is to just point out, these are the things that are not effective. These are the things that are effective. Okay. So what makes a great bio? Great bio is very similar to headline writing. This is why we talk about the fundamentals in all, all throughout Ship 30. Headlines are a huge part of it. If you are great at writing headlines, you're great at writing subject lines and emails, you're great at writing big subheads on landing pages, you're great at writing bios because it all operates with the same fundamental principles. The fundamental principles are don't be clever, be clear, and answer, what is this about? So the topic that you're writing about, who is it for? Can you, can you niche down by signaling the audience, the specific audience that you want to speak to? And third, why should the reader trust you? What is the credibility marker where the reader can go, oh, okay, you seem like someone that I want to listen to here? The, there's more than just the bio two we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about kind of profile picture, pinned asset. Um, links, all those kind of things where you only have five or six really chances to make a statement and you want to maximize all that. And it's, it's one of those plug and play things, right? Once you learn this, you're basically 10xing the conversion on your potential followers or readers, right? Because someone reads something and then they go to your profile, right? Think about the last time you read something you click on their profile and you're like, what else does this person talk about? Mm -hmm. Right. So the ability, your ability to capture that attention is going to triple just with this plug and play framework. Yeah. So let's go through a couple examples. And what's really, what you'll notice about all these different bios is each one kind of prioritizes different things. So part of the takeaway is you can decide like how, what percentage you want to give each one of these things, but here, Dickie, I'll let you break down your bio here. So I, I do a couple things and I treat this like a, a landing page, right? I, if, if you were showing the full thing, you'd see my pin tweet. And so I'll, I'll give you a breakdown of the way I think about it, right? So just in the bio, I, I straight up say what I talk about. I think you, you, can, you can go a bunch of different ways here. I tweet about, I write about, I share, I help you learn, whatever it is. But I talk about X and I'm talking about two things right now. And this has changed a lot. But right now, today, I'm talking about two things, digital writing and digital leverage, period. And then credibility, captain of ship 30, I think for the most part, right, that is my, my dose of credibility talking about digital writing because there's a good chance people have come across ship 30, they see it, and now they know how to associate that. And then my last sentence is actually something that maybe not even be a best practice, but I, I like bringing an authenticity, but notice it's last, right? I don't put this first. I say, here's how I can help you and some credibility of why I can help you. And then I kind of have this freestyle area where I say kind of my life philosophy. I'm trying to be healthy, wealthy, and happy. And the more I can, the reason I do that is because I think a lot of people, they get into a, like they, they build up a following and then they're like, I'm afraid to be myself. And so I tried to come across with both my, my profile picture or my background picture, which has nothing to do with anything, but it's like, oh, this is a real person. And then I share that kind of, you know, fortune cookie-esque thing because it, it means a lot to me.
so that's kind of my breakdown of, of where it comes from. Yeah, two, two things I want to point out here. One is whenever you put in your bio, this is what I talk about. This is what I tweet. This is what I write about. My personal rule of thumb, cap it at two things. When you see someone's bio, that's like, I write about digital writing, digital leverage, investing, productivity, and they're just listing all these things. By like number three, you're like, I'm uninterested, right? It's this... It's this counterintuitive rule. Specificity is, is more potent and more valuable. So try and avoid listing. These are all these different things that I write about, right? And instead go, of all the things, these are the one or two that you can really expect from me. The second thing is, Dickie, your credibility here is captain of ship 30, right? Because a lot of, a lot of people's credibility is this is what I'm building, CEO of this, founder of this. And so there's a couple things here that I think are worth pointing out, right? Not everything in my bio is optimal, but I can get away with it because the ultimate credibility is your follower account, right? Mm -hmm. When you have a large, like the conversion rate and all that almost doesn't matter when there's a large number where in the beginning, I didn't have all these things. I talked very specifically about what I did and how I could help. And I didn't have much credibility. So I had to prove it in a sense um, with whatever I was sharing, but just want to give you some inside the way I think about it. Yeah. And that third sentence, the trying to be the healthiest, wealthiest, and happiest I've ever been every day, I would nine times out of 10 argue against something like that in a bio. I think that it's really valuable real estate where you could do something different. But the reason why I think it works for you, Dickie, is because those are other categories of things that you do write about. So you kind of deliver on the promise. Mm-hmm. No, that where it gets disjointed for people is when they put all these kind of other details in their bio that they never really write about. So then the reader's like, well, why does this matter? That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, I, there are super broad categories that I do share a little bit about. So agreed. Yeah. Here's another one. Um, Cody Sanchez, if you don't follow her, she's, I, I enjoy her content. I think it's really interesting. Um, So her bio, which I'm going to point out just a a thing here that she changed that I think is really interesting. So she, the, the two things she points out, basically I write about contrarian thoughts and cash flow to financial freedom. You don't have to read any other part of her bio and you already are making a decision as a reader. And the decision you're making is, am I interested in cash flow to financial freedom? Basically, do I want to follow someone about money? I think contrarian thoughts isn't specific enough. I think that that could be refined over time. So really the choice is, do I want to follow someone that's going to teach me about money? Then credibility, built two funds, invest in boring businesses, and then kind of what can you expect from me? Help, help you find truth versus narrative, write a newsletter at 100K. The rest of the bio, I think, could be a lot better. Okay. The interesting thing is a couple months ago, and Cody has this on her website, her niche is I buy boring businesses that throw off a ton of cash. So she'll go buy like a vending machine company where everyone's like, oh, that's super boring. Why would you ever want to buy vending machines? And she's like, yeah, well, it cash flows a quarter million bucks a year, right? She used to have that in her bio. And I thought that was so fascinating. I'm like, wow, what a unique topic. I don't just write about financial freedom. I write about boring businesses that lead to financial freedom. 
right? So what's super interesting is you, you watch these creators and over time you will notice their bios change because people are constantly trying new things. So that's the thing we want to point out is like, we're going to show you how to construct a good bio, but also it's not a marriage decision. You can keep changing it over time. Spot on. And I think uh, one thing Cody does a good job with is she, I think is still figuring it out as she's going. And like, I've seen her talk about a bunch of different things now, and she's narrowing, narrowing in on this cash flowing business mm-hmm. idea. So it's been cool to see her iteration over time. Yeah. And you're going to do the same thing, right? When you are, your bio is what you're doing now. Like if there's one takeaway from this session, it's, it doesn't matter if you're planning to be this or you're planning to be that you want to say, here's what I'm doing right now. I'm not yes. aspiring. I'm not hoping I am blank or I do blank. Yes. And that's, and Catherine, you just kind of put it in the, in the chat, but like, that's everyone's hesitancy. I don't want to say I write about this, right? Because then you have to make that commitment. Then you actually have to like, I got to write about this. Right. But the thing is that can always change. Right. Your bio is not written in stone. I think that's a great realization and it's not, oh, if I say this, I got to talk about it forever. Right. You Mm -hmm. change it the next day and no one really would know. Right. It's a, it's an option and a, but here's the thing, right? If, if what you're writing about on any given day goes viral and then everyone goes to your profile and sees it and says, this has nothing to do with what you just told me, they're probably not going to follow you. Mm -hmm. Right. That's where, that's where it gets interesting, right? Is if you're not talking about what you're doing today, then the reader gets there and they're going to be confused on, you know, who, what, what am I really going to get from you? Am I going to get more like this or am I going to get more like what you just said? Right. Yeah. That's a great point. If I, if I go write a thread about like health, wellness, and fitness tomorrow, and it gets 5 million views, that's probably not going to lead to that many followers because every person who reads that thread is going to click my profile and be like, but you write about writing and others that you don't even say that you write about health and fitness. So why would I follow you? You'll just have to change your profile back to the bodybuilding days. Back to the bo- to back to the bodybuilding days. Yeah, just to capitalize. Here's All right, Julian. Here's, go for it. Yeah, here's another interesting thing. Again, I just want to point out how fast the decision happens. Okay. So you start reading the bio. I deconstruct how things work, like storytelling and critical thinking. Done. Immediately, you're either within one second, you're going to decide I'm interested, I'm not. Right. And that's the goal. The goal of the bio is to create that binary decision where someone reads it and goes, yes, I'm interested in deconstructing storytelling and critical thinking. Or someone goes, no, I am not interested in storytelling and critical thinking, right? That's, that's the outcome that you're going for. Now, here's the thing. I see this all the time in people's bios, and I think it is a monumental missed opportunity. Julian goes, and share learnings along the way right? A lot of people have this in their bio, uh, sharing as I go, sharing what I learn as I take steps forward, right? And what people think they're doing when they say things like that is they're kind of hedging their bet. And they're like, hey, 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 I'm no expert. I'm just sharing what I'm learning, right? But the problem is, again, what is the impact for the reader? If this is a mini sales pitch to the reader, the reader's like, 
okay, I don't really know if you're someone I can trust or not. You're just kind of like sharing. You're just sharing. And hey, there's 600 million people on Twitter that are just sharing, right? So personally, I think when you put this in the bio, what the person's trying to do is kind of signal this humility almost of being like, I don't have it all figured out. But the reality is you don't need to say that to the reader. You just need to say, this is what I write about, period. You don't need to apologize in advance. Yeah, just, I don't really have much to add to that other than I think it's it's a common way of being like, oh, I'm just kind of exploring, but own the fact that you're exploring by talking about a more specific version of whatever it is you're talking about. Yes. Right, that's the way to to hedge is don't talk about a broad category that you don't have real expertise in add specificity until you're not just sharing learnings, but you're sharing like hard earned lessons of a specific thing that can help you. Yes. Yeah. You don't, if someone's following you, it's implied that you're sharing, right? You don't, you don't need to say that. Here's another one. I just point out, notice how all these bios do the same thing right out the gate. I talk about X, right? This this is what you're going to get from me. I write about X. I write about Web3 communities and community-based products, period. That's the decision. Do you want to read about Web3 communities and community-based products? If yes, follow Greg. If no, don't follow Greg. What does Greg do then? He attracts all the people who want to read about Web3 communities and community-based products. He repels everyone else, right? This is your goal. Your goal is to be so specific in your bio that the people that you want reading your work go, absolutely, I have been looking for you. And everybody else goes, I would never follow you even if you paid me, right? That's your goal. And then second, little credibility marker, CEO of a company, advisor to Reddit. Cool, boom. You advise Reddit, great, I trust you. Invest with me, you've got a little fun, you got a quarter million followers, right? Check the, the brain, this is what's happening in someone's brain. The brain is just going through and doing all these little check marks, deciding, are you worth following or aren't you? And 90% of the decision is just, do you give me the content I'm looking for? Period. As I look at Greg, Greg and I have very similar bios, right? It's, I talk about blank. Here's why I'm credible for why I talk about blank. And then here's a freestyle space. Invest, share a lesson, whatever it is. And we have very similar link in bios, right? Yep. Linking to, so if, if you are taking this for yourself, right, it's like, you could even practice, you don't have to use this exact formula, but it could help you, right? Take your bio and use this framework and rewrite. I talk about, what do you talk about? Mm -hmm. Why should people care about what you talk about? What have you proven in, in a sense? And then freestyle spot, right? Because we, we've seen it here. You make the decision with the first sentence. The second sentence kind of follows up. It's like, okay, now you're really locked in. And then the third, I think you've already made your decision by then. That's, Dickie, amazing idea in the chat. Typeshare could add bio templates. We mm. totally, that's a great idea. Good idea. Good idea. Cool. Okay, so real quick, here's the moment of truth. In the chat, do you have a clever bio or a clear bio? It's one word. Are you clever or are you clear? Don't feel bad about it, okay? 
let's just let's just be honest. Let's admit where we're starting from. Is it clever or clear? And if it's clear, we're going to make it more clear. All right. We're going to make it James clear. That's the level we're going to have clarity we're going to get to. That's my dad joke for the day. There we go. All right. Biotech. Okay. Yeah. Go for it. Lots of clevers, lots of clears. This will be great. Okay. So your bio checklist, feel free to take a screenshot of this if you want. This is what you're really going for. Am I saying who I am and what I do? Right. What, what do I write about? I talk about X. That's your topic. Two, am I signaling who my content is for? We're going to talk about this a little bit more in a second. Can you differentiate yourself by naming a specific audience, right? I write for teenage entrepreneurs. I write for middle-aged women who have two kids, right? I write for whatever you're naming the audience. Three, am I telling the reader why they should trust me? Some sort of credibility marker. The thing about credibility is that literally anything can be used as a credibility marker if you say so, right? I've watched a thousand shows on Netflix. You are credible to write about what shows to watch on Netflix, right? So anything can be a credibility marker as long as you say it is, and it is relevant to what you are writing about. That's it, okay? But if you say, I've watched more TV than anyone, follow me for writing advice, people are like, I don't understand, right? And then number four, we're going to talk about how to, how to do this. There's a framework that we have for this, which is, do you have an opportunity to name and claim your niche? Can you make it very clear to the reader? This is like the topic at a next level of specificity. Can I make it clear how what I'm writing about is way different than anything else that you're going to come across? Nothing, nothing to add here. Perfect checklist. Okay, so here's, I pulled a couple examples. These are some uh, shippers from previous cohorts that have rewritten their bios that are doing these things really effectively. So I want to point out because I think part of, you know, again, whenever we show these examples, everyone's brain kind of jumps to, well, that's easy. They have a quarter million followers. They can put whatever they want in their bio, right? So I want to show you it's not about that. Okay, so here, am I saying who I am and what I do? Eli, great example of this. Okay, he has this credibility thing first. I have a, a Facebook UX design community of 5,000 plus people, but writes and sketches about learning productivity and design. Great. If I'm interested in sketching as it relates to learning productivity and design, I'm going to follow Eli, right? It's, it's really simple. And so again, what's going to happen is the first time you do this, the first time that you think this way, your brain is immediately going to go to big, broad categories right? You're going to jump to productivity. You're going to jump to design. You're going to jump to learning, right? Education. Our goal is you start there. And then over time, you want those words to get more and more specific because the more specific you can be within those mega categories, the more someone goes, oh, I understand why you're different to follow than someone else. Okay. And a little bit of category creation. And a little bit of category. Visual Zettelkasten. Right? Yep. I think that's a completely new thing that Eli's totally dominating, right? Visual or Zettelkasten kind of note taking, whatever, um, but doing a visual side, right? That's a completely cool and new category on it. So awesome job. Yep. Number two, am I signaling who my content is for? Okay. This is awesome because Jesse um, 
really found, again, I think if I remember correctly, uh, starting ship 30 didn't really know what content bucket is really going to resonate with people wrote something about, uh, ADHD caught fire breakout data point, and then realized, okay, wow, this was not the thing that I thought people wanted to read about. I'm going to double down on it. And now if you notice, this is several months later, has completely doubled down on ADHD, right? Author of the upcoming book, Refocus, A Practical Guide to ADHD. I write about ADHD, creativity and productivity, right? But notice that first one is right out the gate. Do you want to read about ADHD? Yes or no? Binary decision, right? So when you, when you are able to do that, part of the topic, when, when you get more clarity around the topic, you also kind of signal who's going to be interested in that. And it's hard to do that when the category is really broad, right? Productivity is super broad. Who's that for, right? Even ADHD is more specific, but for who? Is it for the parents or is it for the kids, right? So there's always an opportunity here where you can keep pushing the specificity so people know exactly what lens am I supposed to view this through. Yeah, Jesse's come a long way. I still remember that first ADHD essay he wrote. He wasn't sure. He just knew he had it, presented it with a unique perspective. It kind of popped off. And now he's running a book, has 13 and a half thousand. I think he was, he was probably part of the March, March or April cohort from last year, right? Crushing it. Absolutely crushing it. So cool to see. Yep. And by the way, he would not have a fraction of the traction that he does if he had kept going, I write about productivity. It's too broad. It's too broad. The, all of the, there's a great quote my mentor gave me, simplicity is velocity, okay? Your goal, how you move faster is when you, when you compress things to be more and more specific, more and more simple. So then the person goes, oh, okay, it's about this. I'm on board. That's why he's grown so quickly. Okay, I love this. Am I telling the reader why they should trust me? Okay. Check this bio out. I got to move some windows around because it's blocking. Okay. I tweet about stoicism and tech. That's the intersection. Okay. So out the gate, are you interested in that? 20 years in tech, seven years in stoicism, right? So a great way of thinking about credibility can be how long have you done it for? Who have you done it for? What outcomes have you unlocked? Like one of my biggest credibility things I've had in my bio for years is, 100 million plus views, right? No one gave me that. I just went and counted up all my views and said, here's how many views I got, right? So anytime you can, you can create your own credibility just by going, I've, I've had 5,000 coaching clients over the past 10 years, or I've been doing this for 30 years, or I've been teaching students in 50 states, or, you know, like just pick something and go, yes, this is why you should trust me. And talk about being uniquely yourself. How many people talk about tech and stoicism? Not many. Yep. Not many. Right. And how many have 20 years and seven years? Right. He's got a lot going on here. And I think he's launching a course right now on stoicism for IT professionals or something like that. Right. Doing literally exactly every part of his bio. Look at, look at its location. My tech and stoicism stuff. Mm -hmm. no wasted words it's tech and stoicism boom everywhere over and over and over Over, and over and over again 
And here's, here's what's important. That doesn't matter to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. That's the whole point of it. The people that do follow him are going to be interested in that. And, and you can go down the rabbit hole of like, ah, that means fewer followers. Yes, but it means more loyal followers, potential customers, dense, engaged followers. And that's really what matters. So I, I think if you're scared to cut potential readers out, whether it's a headline, whether it's your bio, just rethink because it's all about density, not overall volume. Yeah. Again, I just want to point out 12,000 followers. Imagine you set up a booth at a conference and 12,000 people show up. That's a lot of people, right? So the internet has completely just desensitized to us, to the numbers at this point, but that's a lot of people, right? A thousand true fans. You don't need that many. And here's another great example. Dream came out of an early cohort. Um, um, incredible story. It 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 exact. It just embodies everything that we talk about, right? She Started, just quit her nursing job to be a full time writer after about six months. She's crushing on YouTube, right? Yep. You see, there's just tons of commonalities here once once you start to do this stuff. So Jareen's story, in a nutshell, was starts ship thirty, writes about a bunch of stuff, goes, I'm frustrated. I don't know what my niche is because I write about lots of different things and I don't think that I want to have one niche. So she goes and she writes an essay and the essay title is something to the effect of what it's like to be a multi-passionate creator. She just used that word being you're a creator with multiple passions, right? And what happened? We're going to talk about how this cycle works here in a second. Audience members, readers start commenting back and going, I am a multi-passionate creator too. I have multiple passions. Thank you for writing the thing that now tells me what I am. So what does she do? She listens to the language and then she goes and changes her bio and goes, oh, I am the multi-passionate creator. She turned not having a niche into a niche in itself, right? This is the epitome of category creation. You are taking language to draw lines and go, this is what I am. This is what I'm not. And the more specific you can be here, the more then audiences start to adopt that language. And then all of a sudden you're known for something that you invented out of thin air. Okay. So really powerful when this happens. I love the, the irony of not having a niche and turning it into your niche. Boom. Right. It's so cool. So, so cool. Yeah, I see a comment. Lifestyle design, right? Think about all the terms. Cole and I are doing this right now with the term digital writing. It's just an, it's a new spin on writing that gets more specific. It's on screens, right? It's a less commonly used word that makes people kind of go, uh, what are they saying that's different about that? Yeah. And so you can do that with a lot of things. And the second that you start to, I, I can't remember where I heard this, but it's, you're basically hiring an employee. Uh, to work for you 24-7 when you name something and people start to use that term. Because anytime they use that term, they say, they refer back to you, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you're spreading this idea virus throughout the, the world, right? It's, oh, that's interesting. Who writes about that? Well, they do. Boom, links back to you. So you're spreading a meme in a sense, but it's not the the funny meme. It's just something that kind of, 
compresses what you say and what you do down into a single term and then points back to everywhere it goes. Yep. And we're, uh, we're going to show you exactly how to do this here in a second. Okay. So this is what we're talking about. All right. Category creation is honestly, this is, this is not one-on-one stuff. Category creation in itself is more like 201, but we're going to give you the, the entry, the entry point here. The whole idea is to take your existing category. So you go, I write about productivity. I write about wellness. I write about athletics. I write about cooking, whatever. And what you're doing is over time, you are getting more and more specific by putting a modification in front of that category. Okay. So notice the difference. Someone goes, I write about sketching. Okay. Sketching is a big category, right? How do you get more specific? You put a modification word in front of it. I write about digital sketching. Okay, whoa, we just separated the market by 50%, right? Because you got people who sketch with analog stuff, oh, with pens and pencils and paintbrushes and all that. And then you've got digital sketching, which happens on iPads and all these other technology tools, right? And then we can go even further. We can put another modification word in front of it. Web3 digital sketching. Oh, this isn't just digital sketching on iPads. This is like metaverse sketching, right? This is an incredibly powerful framework because all you're doing is you're taking the existing bucket and you're chopping it in half and you're chopping it in half again by putting a different modification in front of it. Yes, stoic writer. There's writers and then there's stoic writers, right? There's writers and then there's Zen writers, okay? So just look at some of these other examples. Visuals goes to hypervisuals, goes to hypervisual infographics. That's way more specific than just visuals, right? Yoga, at-home yoga. Oh, big difference, right? There's yoga in studios, and then there's yoga at home. And then a different modification. I'm just going to give you 15-minute at-home yoga routines, which is different than hour-long, Right? Education, remote education, remote education, no code technologies, right? Every time you add a new modification word, what you're doing is you're chopping the market another 50%, another 50% until all of a sudden you get to a point where you go, that is so incredibly specific. It's uncomfortable. That is what, that is the goal. That's where you want to end up. And then go one more. And then go right. one more. And, and here's the one more. <laughs> Okay, well, but before we do the one more, before we do the one more, okay, so I've already seen some people do this in the chat. Take whatever you're writing about right now and put one word modification in front of it. How can you just immediately chop it in half, right? So you've got, I write about writing advice, stoic writing advice, right? Yeah, thinking, decentralized thinking, okay? Yeah, spiritual behavioral design, behavior design, spiritual behavioral design, right? Daniel's working content creation, no code automation. Bang. Yes. Only one on earth talking about it. I think. <laughs> Literally. No, in, in a good way, like a, a very good way, right? That is three or four very important things combined. Authentic communication. Parenting two kids under four. That is specific. Yep. Long-term crypto investing. Much better than crypto trading right? Mm -hmm. You can start to see these. This is, I hope it's helpful just to kind of see the modifier words. 
Right. This is like a great- mine used to say, I talk about writing and leverage. Now I'm talking about digital writing and digital leverage. Boom. One word modifier that one sparks curiosity and two is a completely different thing. Yep. This is a great one. Tax debt, DIY tax debt, right? Totally different That's things. Great. Totally different things. One word changes the whole thing, right? Yeah. There's podcasting, podcasting for startup founders, right? Okay. So this leads us to the second thing. So Dickie, you said, get more specific, get more specific, and then go one more, right? The one more is you can then add the audience modification, right? So you go sketching, digital sketching, web three, digital sketching, web three, digital sketching for teenage artists, which is different than adult artists, which is different than professional artists, right? Hypervisuals, hypervisual infographics, hypervisual infographics for healthcare startups, right? At-home yoga, 15-minute at-home yoga, 15-minute at-home yoga for the elderly, right? Every time you push it one step further, you notice how immediately your ideas for what you're going to create change. When I say go write about yoga, your brain thinks one thing. When I say write about at-home yoga, your brain thinks a different thing. And when I say write about 15-minute at-home yoga for the elderly, your brain goes, okay, wow, I, I, I got to be really specific here, right? Because I can't go tell an elderly person to get on their head and do a handstand, right? It changes what you write about. And I think it's just worth double-clicking and looking at this again. This means fewer followers. Locally, yes. right. Like immediately, if a hundred people visited your profile, actually, I don't know, but I think in the long run, it's going to be far more lucrative and you're just getting more comfortable with the fact that I think people get caught up in cutting out followers because it means they might not have a hundred thousand, right. By definition, but Cole, you said this to, I can't remember who you said this to the other day, but it was, what would you do if you had a hundred thousand followers? Would yeah, you know how to what? keep would you know how to keep the attention of 100,000 people? Probably not because you wouldn't know. They'd be following you for so many different reasons that you wouldn't know what to say. And so it's not like, oh, I don't want to cut readers out because that means I'll never get to 100,000 followers. But if you got there overnight, would you know what to do? Would you know how to keep them? Would you know how to serve value to them? Probably not because it would be such a broad group. Yep. Whereas if you write about one specific thing, and you hammer away at it for seven years until you get 100,000 followers, you know every time exactly how to deliver for all 100K followers because you know what they're all interested in, right? So this is one of those things, okay? The, the past two slides is a very difficult thing for, to execute, okay? So I, I don't want to, I don't, like we're trying to make it as simple as possible, but I don't want you to beat yourself up if you're like, the answer didn't just immediately come to me, okay? In all honesty, like what we're talking about here is what companies pay hundreds of thousands, if not millions, if not tens of millions of dollars to try and figure out. What do we call what we do, right? That's a hard question. And if it was as easy as just, oh, hey, we just got to blink twice, snap our fingers, and then, hey, your differentiated category is there, right? It doesn't work. Then everyone would have it, right? So the takeaway here is 
sit with this. And then over time, what you're going to notice, how you know when your niche is sticking is you're going to notice that readers start using the language back to you. Okay. This is the signal. So you start writing about something and then people start using that language to describe what you do. So something that we hear all the time now, right? Oh, you should go follow Dickie and Cole. They write about digital writing. Who gave them that language? Where did they learn the words digital writing? They learned it from my bio. They learned it from Dickie's bio. They learned it because we put it in all of our materials. We educate people on the words, right? I was just going to say, the way to think about your bio is if you go on a podcast, they're going to read your bio. Yes. Period. They're going to say, Cole is a digital writer. He talks about digital writing and category design. He's a category pirate and the co-creator of Ship 30. They're going to read that, right? And so think about that as you're crafting it. Is how do I want people to describe me? And how do I want people to understand what I am providing? Like what, what am I bringing into the world? Yes. They have to get the language from somewhere. This is, this is seriously, it's such a mind-blowing concept for people. How do readers get the language to talk about you? You give it to them. You give them the language you want them to use, right? And how you know it works is then they start saying the language back to you. So every time someone reads something that I wrote and goes, wow, you know, your frameworks on digital writing are so interesting. I pause and I look at that and that's a data point. And I tell myself, oh, the reader is validating the niche back to me right? They're using the language. That's how I know it's sticking. So this is what we want to point out for you is when you notice that happening, that's not just a something random happened, right? That's a, the thing I'm trying to bring into the world is working. And so this, this becomes your flywheel, right? You make a bunch of noise. You look at the data, you listen for the signal, you double down on what the signal is telling you, and then you call it something right? You get more specific. You go, oh, I don't just write about design. I write about modifier design, right? Digital design. I write about web three design, right? You put the modifier in front of it. You find a new modifier. You put that in your bio. You plant your flag in the ground. You wake up the next day and you go, I'm going to make some noise again. And you keep doing this over and over and over again. And every day, every week, every month, you're asking yourself over and over, can I make what I'm writing about more specific? And every time you come to a new decision, you pick up your flag, you change your bio, you walk forward two steps, you plant your flag back down, and then you go, and now I'm doing this. And nobody knew any different. All right. Why don't we do, would you all find it helpful if we did some live bio rewrites? Some examples, you can see us kind of walk through our way of thinking and okay, great. So we're not going to be able to get everyone. So I want to preface that. So Cole, why don't you go back? We're going to do this instead of breakout rooms today, just because we got that. I think people would find it more helpful to see us do it. So Cole, go back to the bio checklist. To have yours workshopped, drop in the chat these four things. You have to sit and think about and come up with an answer to these four before we, we write them for you. And then we'll take a look at what you have now. So if you drop in the chat, these four things, number them, we'll take a look at them. And then you can drop your Twitter bio in with it. 
and we'll take a look. We'll use while while people get sorted. Daniel, I think you're a great example of this right now. You've started doubling down on uh, writing about no code stuff, right? So to use Daniel as an example, what do you write about? I write about easy no code integrations that can be done in 30 minutes or less, right? Something like that. Or I just write about no code integrations. Maybe you start, you start there. Who's the audience for? You know, you could say I write about no code integrations for course creators because that's primarily what you've been focusing on, right? Credibility. Why should people trust you? Because I've done this in Ship 30 over the past year for 3,000 plus students sending 5 million zaps and, <laughs> you know, 900,000 emails, right? Pull out whatever little data points you want, right? And then over time, as the data starts telling you, you name and claim whatever that category is, and maybe it's no code course creation, right? You go, cool, that's, that's what I do. So I just, that's like an easy framework of just kind of thinking, thinking through it. All right, let's check out some of the ones in the chat here. Dickie, you want okay. to pick one? Yeah, let's go. Chris Tomaso, spiritual behavioral design, overthinking millennials. Okay, so the topic is spiritual behavioral design for overthinking millennials. Gamification consultant. So immediately I get a little confused on how that makes you credible on the behavioral design piece. And mm -hmm. then number four, I think you have something cool with spiritual behavioral design because I'm a little bit confused what that means. Um, it's a little bit curiosity inducing, but I think you can, you can, I, I think you probably came in with behavioral design and your new modifier word is spiritual. I don't know if that's necessarily going to stick, but mm -hmm. that that's my initial take. Yeah, I would, I would agree where, where, and who knows if this is uh, right or, or what, what you do, Chris, but for example, the thinking, if uh, you focus on like UX and gamification for apps, it's an easier tie if you go ethical behavioral design or ethical UX design, right? Because then your credibility and what you do kind of matches up more. And then you can, there, there's a more seamless intersection to play with there. So the thing about picking the modification word is whatever word you pick, you have to be able to explain to people why, right? Why that word, you have to define it. So that's why wherever you start is fine, but over time you want to think through like, is this really the right word to communicate the idea? Good call. All right, I see Corey. Number one, a digital marketing exec writes about living more mindful in the digital age for people who are overwhelmed or dealing with busy idleness. Um, what's your credibility on that? So current bio, student of life. Digital marketing exec, I explore strategies and tools to help people use technology to live more mindfully in the digital age all while having fun. So here's my question. Okay, here's, here's a great, anytime you see the word more, more or better, okay, that means there's an opportunity to be more specific. What does mindful mean, right? Because mindfulness in the digital age is very broad. Are we talking about the addiction I have with my smartphone? Or are we talking about how algorithms get engineered? Like what, what do we actually mean here? So 
that is the biggest room for improvement of where you really have to ask yourself what specifically about quote unquote mindfulness, which is a huge category. Am I, am I really talking about? And then, you know, digital marketing exec, I might even change that into some sort of, uh, credibility marker. I've been a digital marketing exec for 15 years, or I helped build X startup or, you know, what, what's something specific that you can point to, to go, this is my little check mark of credibility. Boom. All right. Rylan, I write about conscious investing for beginners. I'm a PhD, 14 years investing, 13 years practicing consciousness for conscious and number four, conscious investing. I think it's done. I talk about I think, conscious investing, PhD with 14 plus years of experience. Mm-hmm. You could use Mike McGill's just like that, right? And so part of, I think part of this exercise is we're not even rewriting these as much as just getting you to do these four steps, mm-hmm. right? Because this is, this is all you need to start with, right? You sit down with a blank page and say the existential question, right? I got to figure all this out. No, you just have to say what it is you do today. Mm-hmm. And it's going to change and it should change. Every new data point is a chance to change it. Yep. And I, and I, so to play this out, here's what's going to happen with a bio like this. You start with conscious investing. You go write 10 things. Turns out the breakout data point is uh, readers are really fascinated uh, when you talk about um, investing in uh, specifically like eco-friendly uh, companies. So you take something that's broad, like conscious, and then you go, oh, it's actually really the eco stuff that people are super interested in. So you might swap that out eventually, hypothetically, and change that to, I write about eco-friendly investing. That's a more specific version of conscious investing, right? Or totally different, your breakout data point might be, you realize that people love reading about uh how to fix an unhealthy relationship with money. Totally different definition of conscious, right? So then you change the modification word to a different person that you're trying to reach. So that's all, all of these words matter. That's, that's the fun part about writing your bio is that each word you pick is directing the reader's thinking in a different direction. So it's not about getting it perfect. It's about starting somewhere and then over time, steering the ship as you gather more data. Here's a great question. How do you reconcile mismatched credibility to something you're writing about for the first time? So there's no such thing as mismatched credibility, right? By definition, it means that you're not, you don't have any credibility in what you're trying to write about. So what that means is you're writing for beginners, period. If you have no credibility, it means you're a beginner and you must be writing for beginners literally a step behind you. Yep. You know, I write about Web3 for people who just discovered Web3. Yes. Right. I write about X topic for people who know nothing about X topic. Like that, that's it. And you have to embrace that because this is the definition of the two-year test, right? But really for you, it's the one-week test. You should every yeah. week write about something that you wish you knew a week ago. This is how I started with writing in general was sharing things as I learned them but all through the lens of someone who was an absolute beginner. Yep. And, and you and by, go ahead. No. And, and to build on that, like if you're writing about a standalone topic, a hundred percent, the title should read a beginner's guide. 
right? Because you're brand new to the thing and you went out and you learned about it and now you're going to write about it and it's a beginner's guide because you were a beginner and then you went and spent four hours doing it. Now you're not so beginnery, but you're sharing what you know to the next beginner, right? So I, Dickie, that's a great point. There is no mismatched credibility. I think one thing that's coming to me is that in this is do not start with credibility. I think yes. your first your your first word should not be credibility because no one knows what that credibility is is doing. It's just mm-hmm. a random statement at that time. Right? It's okay versus I talk about X and here's why you should care. Mm-hmm. Right? So if it's whatever, I think that's a very easy framework we should add here is don't start with credibility. Yeah. Yeah. Because again, to your, to your point, Dickie, when people make decisions about who to follow, their first question is, is this content interesting to me? It's not, is this person worth listening to? It's, is the content aligned with what I'm interested in? right? So say what it is first and then worry about going, Hey, and here's also why you should trust me. Reggie, I'm curious, what topic are you writing about that you're just learning? Cause I think this will be helpful to see how to reframe it. In the meantime, we'll do another one. Mm. Cool. You see any, I write about early stage investing in DTC. Penn alum, husband and investor in ultramarathon runner. I write about early stage investing. So I think you could say if you have a more specific early stage investment niche, so early mm-hmm. stage DTC investing, right? I think that m- makes a decent match there. Um, I think you could add some kind of credibility for early stage, right? Penn alum, but Penn alum that's doing what? you know, unless you studied venture investing at Penn, mm-hmm. that would be my two. Yeah. See member of the e, EO angel syndicate. Boom. That's a much better piece of credibility than Penn alum. Yep. I agree. This, this one from Alex in the chat too, is really grabbing me. I talk about gaining financial freedom in your thirties, even if you were dumb with money in your twenties. Okay. Notice how I read the first half of that. And I was like, oh, I've seen that by a million times. Oh, help financial freedom, financial freedom, uh, financial freedom. Right. But it's the second half. Even if you were dumb with money in your twenties, where all of a sudden you're like, oh, you're, you're going to help me avoid the mistakes too. Right. There's something unique about that. And then two, there's, this is a great, this is what I mean about you can create your own credibility. 20 K debt, 200 K saved. Right. So literally just going, I'm going to invent my own credibility. Why should you trust me? Because I did it, right? That's, that was my credibility for years. Why should you listen to me about writing online? Because I've been writing online for a decade and I've got hundreds of millions of views. That's why you should listen to me. Nobody gave me that badge. I just said, I've done it. I'm going to show you how to do it, right? This is awesome, Carlos. I talk about digital homeschooling for parents. 15 years yes. in tech, two years homeschooler, creating, create a digital learning lifestyle. A1. Awesome. Digital homeschooling for parents. That's all you need to know. That's literally, you could delete everything else in the bio. That is the decision. Are you interested in digital homeschooling as a parent or no? 
Matt Stein. I talk about digital knowledge management for enterprise software engineers. Bang. Amazing. Shipping software daily at the largest bank in the U.S. Credibility. Whoa. Credibility. Great stuff. I could just keep doing this. This is fun. I simplify complex AI ML concepts for busy executives. PhD former, former professor tech leader. That's, that's good. I think it's, no, I think that's, why think should busy executives care about AI and ML? Right? Yeah, what's, or, the, what's the unlock? That'd be yeah, my thing. I was going to say too, like bu busy execs, I, I, everyone's takeaway from this should be every time I try and write something, try and get two times more specific. So when you say busy execs, what does that actually mean? What kind of execs? Execs at every single company or a specific type of company? Execs that have been doing their job for two years or execs that have been doing it for 20 years, right? How can you, and, and if the answer is no, 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 all of them, I really encourage you to stress test that thinking. Every, it's, it's a very easy place to end up where you just go, no, 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 I mean all writers. Right. Oh, I, have, I have advice for all executives. I, had, I have advice for all writers. I have advice for all parents. But no, you really don't. You have advice for a specific type of parent. You have advice for a specific type of executive. What is that sp specific piece? Right. Who are they? I write about tax debt solutions for people without time, patience, or attitude to deal with the IRS. Ah. I am your target audience. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> yeah, for real. Honestly, honestly. Cool. All right, what else we got? Um, so this is a good question. Cool. So we, we have digital writing as less specific, and it's a good mm -hmm. counterexample. And what would your response be? My, my response would be it... it it's a little bit counterintuitive, but you go through this, um, this wave of development. You have to keep in mind, I've, I've been writing about writing online for, a, for basically a decade, okay? And so when you're starting, your goal is, I want to be so uncomfortably specific, not just because it's going to force who you're attracting, but it's helping you practice that skill, right? It's getting you out of, I write about authenticity for productive people. Super vague means nothing, right? To I'm getting hyper-specific about who I'm writing for. As you do that, you're going to go through this learning curve. And that learning curve then is, I understand what it is the person I'm trying to reach is getting out of my work, right? The specificity leads to a whole new level of clarity. And over that time, you're going to learn, oh, these are all these other little subgenres that I write about. So eventually you're going to get to a point where you can actually open the aperture a little bit and you can broaden it. But the reason you can broaden it is because you earned it, right? You earned it because you understand what are the things that actually engage the reader. In the beginning, you don't know what's engaging the reader. And I'll, I'll go with mine. My bio used to say, I talk about writing for beginners, period, right? It's a lot easier to zoom out than it is once you have something solidified because look, yes, I know once you get specific, 
the the paradox of specificity is that the more specific you get the more resonance you get on the problems people have so once you have a hyper specific audience you just kind of ask them hey guys what else what else bothers you what else are your problems and then you can easily branch into those right right now i'm branching into the digital leverage world because a lot of writers say oh how can i take my content and maybe move it to youtube or maybe move it to podcasting or maybe you know create a course have all these different leverage vehicles from writing and that's my natural progression it's a it's an even bigger zoom out where i started very specifically with how to build a writing habit like that was it that yeah. was what i and you know why i talk about that because it's all i knew it was all i had the authority and credibility to talk about in the writing world yeah uh, and then you can zoom out from there and this this is i i just i mean i see it in the in the chat like you know now people's wheels are spinning right so this is the goal. The goal isn't, hey, I came up with the magic answer. I got it. And now I don't need to change anything for the next 40 years of my life, right? The goal is, oh, I'm starting to understand how the game works. And now I can keep writing and keep iterating and keep playing with my bio as time goes on. I guarantee you, just watch our bios. My bio is going to change three months from now. Dickie's bio is going to change six months from now, Right. Daniel's bio is going to change 30 times in the next four months, right? It, it's not that it's wrong. Every person's just playing the game and then continuing to iterate over and over and over again. So that's all we're encouraging here. Catherine, that's a great framework. The goal is to outgrow your bio. Yes. Right? The goal is for your bio to be what it is today and for you to get more specific about it eventually or less specific right? Yep. It's, it's going to trend in a direction and it will become glaringly obvious, right? If, if you have to guess whether you should get more or less, always go more, yeah. right? It'll be kind of clear when it's time to go less because people will say, hey, I'm really interested, but it doesn't sound like it's for me, but it looks like it's for me, mm -hmm. right? And then, you know, you need to zoom out a little bit. Yep. Yeah. And and Esprit, the question is like, how do you know when you've outgrown your bio? Like you, you just come up with, you realize that it's minimal real estate and you have cooler stuff to put there. For years, my bio was top writer on Quora. And then I built my first company. Then my bio was like, I built a company, right? I read about entrepreneurship. And then it was, I wrote a book, Art and Business of Online Writing. Okay, I want that to be my credibility piece. Right. So as you do more in the world, you're naturally going to kind of outgrow what you were pointing to before. And you just replace it with like, what's, what's the next thing that you did? All right. We got time for a few more. What do we think? I write about distributed leadership for managers figuring out remote. Great. That's a hard thing, specific yeah. thing. I think an even, right. If depending where you're at, Paolo, is for in what industry, right? Because I think it's going to be different managing software engineers for salespeople in a digital or a distributed leadership role. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. I talk about seed and series A agile fundraising and strategic scaling for tech startups. 
credibility, credibility. So here's like, once you start reading these is you just kind of skip the credibility part when it's there because you just kind of get it. It's like, okay, he has something to put here. Yeah. It's a check mark. Right. Like I, I saw a hundred million, 35 plus boom. I just kept yeah. going. I'm like, okay, makes sense. Yep. And, and here too, I know it sounds like I'm beating a dead horse here, but like the, these are the little things I talk about seed and series a agile and fundraising. Great. And strategic scaling. What does that mean? Right. How can you be more specific with what does strategic mean? You there's a zillion different ways to be strategic, right? So again, it's okay if you start there, but I want to plant that seed where the next thing you're working on is like, what do I really mean when I say strategic scaling? And, and you're going to go through a bunch of different iterations. That's okay. Here's another, another great one. Demystifying blockchain, DeFi, personal finance concepts for beginners so you can invest better. Okay, here's the thing. Blockchain, whole world. DeFi, whole world. Personal finance, whole world. So it's a little tough when you take three really giant categories and you go, I write about all three of them, right? Again, perfect place to start. The next thing that you want to ask yourself is, which of the three am I best at? Which of these three is like really my core competency? Double down on that, right? And then you go, okay, maybe maybe it's DeFi. Okay, well, maybe you can combine it. I write about uh, personal finance in a DeFi world, okay? Okay, what, but whatever it is, like you wanna keep pushing, but just listing out these are these are the big broad categories is usually what leads to some confusion for people. Mm-hmm. What else? I could do these all day. So fun. The social impact guy. I talk about social impact and purpose economy, linking talent with impactful organizations by curating jobs. I think you're just missing a little bit of credibility just because you're creating jobs doesn't immediately jump to me of why the social impact matters, but that's my take. I'm officially bias. So, so here I, I want to give just one disclaimer. Don't turn this into your new note-taking system. Yeah. Like, don't turn this into once my bio's figured out, then I'll I'll start doing X. Right. Spend like maybe five more minutes on it after this call, and then write a note or an email and say revisit this in two weeks, yeah. because this is a rabbit hole that I really want to make sure you don't spend more time on this because. No one's going to read your bio if you're not writing. <laughs> yeah. Right. So keep that in mind as you're doing this of no one. If you spend the next two weeks rewriting your bio, it, no one's going to see it. Yeah. Right. So make the tweaks, make the subtle change. Know it's a long-term game. I actually, I always get frustrated during these uh, bio sessions because I start to think about going and rewriting mine and turning it into this big project. And I just stop. I just said, <laughs> it's good enough. It's doing its job. I'm not, I'm not going back down the rabbit because it's a real thing. I think yeah. it's, it's one of those big things of, Oh, I can't right now. Cause I don't have the perfect bio. Don't let that happen. Yep. And again, just like the Twitter thread templates, right? Like sometimes the best thing to do, go find someone's bio you love 
and literally copy the exact same format with your own content and just call it a day. I'm trying to think about how we could do a follow-up. All right, anyone that follows up on this, you can post your new bio as a reply to the replay video in Circle. Yeah. Um, and we'll take a peek. I can't promise we'll go through them all, but I think it's just helpful to see other people's because you get frameworks, you get inspiration. I think adding some to TypeShare will be definitely something we do. Um, but I hope this was helpful. Was this helpful to see us kind of work through some of these frameworks? Because something we're thinking about in future ship 30 cohorts is turning all the live sessions into just these workshop styles where mm -hmm. we just take examples. So it's, it's uh, helpful to hear your feedback as well as we start to do these things. Yeah. Yeah. And if you can, when you post in circle, uh, try and put the before and the after, because it's mm -hmm. always fun to see how, like what choices people make, what they leave in, what they take out, you know? And again, I can't stress this enough. It is not a marriage decision. It's going to change. It's okay. Boom. All right, folks. Well, that concludes the curriculum uh, of Ship 30. Cool. Wild. Obviously, we have a lot. We threw a lot at you in 30 days. You took, we try to compress a year's worth of expertise and experience and frameworks and all that into a 30-day sprint. We know it can get overwhelming. There's going to be a lot. It's only the beginning, and we said it at the beginning of the call, if you can make it Sunday, highly encourage you. It's always kind of a really cool full circle session. We'll recap everything we've done. We'll share some big wins. We'll let people kind of get up on stage and share any stories of transformation or reflection, and always one of my favorites. So highly encourage uh, you to keep writing until then, and then show up with some energy on the Sunday call. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun if you can, if you can make it, but thanks everyone for showing up. Um, I know these are deep dives, but we, we always really, really love seeing what they lead to. So hopefully we see some new bios and uh, would love to see some before and afters in, in the circle channel. Yeah. Jump to the, to the replay in circle, throw your new bio, throw your old bio. We'll take a look and uh, I'll see everyone on Sunday. Epic. See you everyone. Great. All right, everyone. Have a great night.